have for us today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Christ is risen. What a, what a beautiful proclamation that is. It's a beautiful proclamation that we can make as believers in Christ. And we say it with such power and such certainty. I love it. I love this call and response. Christ is risen. And so we do it with certainty this morning. But on that first Easter Sunday, the response wasn't that certain. On that first Sunday morning, that first Easter Sunday, the the response wasn't that certain at all for those who saw the empty tomb. Verse 11 says, They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And Peter went away. After he had run down and and went into the tomb himself, Peter went away wondering to himself what had really happened. It, It feels like the darkness still loomed over them that first Sunday morning in those first moments of the day. I I think today in our world there's a lot of non-believing, isn't there? There, There's a lot of non-believing about the truth in our world, about the truth of the gospel, because to modern ears, Jesus' resurrection seems like a whole lot of nonsense. And so many today don't believe. But... But there are even a lot of Christians who have fallen away from their faith because they wonder what really happened that day. What really wonder, what really happened that first Sunday. Maybe some of you here today are wondering that same thing. What really happened. And when we say Christ is risen, maybe you think in your mind, I wonder about that. I wonder about that. So this morning, I simply wanted to start by explaining very simply what we believe as a Bible-believing church, what we believe about Jesus. What we believe about Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. That's what we believe. Jesus is God. He is co-eternal with God the Father and God the Spirit. We call this one God in three persons, the Trinity. You know those words. You've heard that said many times before. The Trinity, a triune God, three three persons, one God. And God, Father, Son, and Spirit, created a perfect world. God created a perfect world out of nothing. And humans were part of that creation, and human beings messed it up. We messed it up by disobeying God, and, and we call that sin. It's not a word the world likes to use today. We don't like to use the word sin. We talk more about mistakes. We talk about things that we just didn't know about or whatever. But the reality is we messed up this world. We messed up the perfect creation of God through sin. And then the Bible, what we read from, what we study, what we learn, God's word is the account of God's action in the world to draw his creation back to himself into perfect harmony. That's what his word is. It's the account of God's action in the world, drawing his creation back to himself, back to perfect harmony again. And the Bible makes very clear in the words that are there. It makes very clear that humans are unable to rectify the problem of sin in our own strength. 
We are unable to rectify the problem of, of sin. And so we need a Savior because we're broken. Because our world is broken, and so we need a Savior. So God, in himself, God took action. Not us, but God took action by sending his son Jesus to save us, to save the world. God, in essence, sent himself, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty of sin that he required. He required it, but he sent his son to pay the price. And Jesus became the one final sacrifice necessary to pay the price or the penalty of sin that God requires. And he did it. Jesus did it by living a perfect life and dying in our place. Dying an innocent death, taking our sins with him to the cross. That's what he's done for us. He's taken our sins on his back and he died and paid the price of that sin. And then on Easter Sunday morning, he defeated even death itself. And he rose again from the grave just as he said he would do. And now Christ is risen. And Jesus lives on, on this, Jesus then lived on this earth for 40, 40 more days. And then he ascended into heaven. He went up to heaven and he is still there with God the Father. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us and to give us faith. And that's the work of the Spirit that's at work in us every single day, to bring faith to our lives. And one day, one day, this Bible tells us that there will be a final judgment. And the next time that Jesus comes, he will come again. And the next time he comes, he comes as a judge and not a Savior. And so between now and then, between now and the, the second coming of Christ, until that day, all who believe in Jesus and accept him as Savior and Lord in their lives are forgiven of their sin and are called to live a new and holy life. And all who believe are assured of that salvation, are assured, assured of their place in heaven for eternity with Jesus and all who have gone before who have believed in Christ. This is what we believe and that's why we say this morning, Christ is risen. Amen. But with so much unbelief in the world, and maybe even sometimes in the church, how do we get to that place of belief? How do we get to the place where we can confidently say with the church that Christ is risen? How do we move on from all of this sounded like nonsense? How do we move to a place of belief from all of this sounded like nonsense and wondering what really happened that day to believing in Christ? Well, friends, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. We need the work of the Spirit at work in us. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, is the giver of faith. And so we start by simply asking the Spirit to do his work in us. We ask the Spirit, Spirit, explain, show me the truth of the gospel. Show me who Christ is. And then we need to be investigators and explorers of the truth in our lives. And this morning, what I wanted to recognize in these passages is that Christ is alive, Christ is risen, and, and the women went to the, to, to the grave, and they told Peter and the apostles, and that the women and Peter were investigators and explorers of the truth. They were looking for answers. 
and as investigators and explorers of the truth, neither the women nor Peter just sat around and waited for the truth to just hit them. They went looking for it. They went looking for the truth of what had happened that day, what was going on around them. And so this morning, I want to look at four ways that they did that investigation, that they did that exploration, that they looked for the truth in the situation and what was going on that day. I think, first of all, when we are explorers of the truth, when we are investigators of the truth, we can see that they prepared for their journey. We need to prepare for our journey. And Peter and the women prepared for their journey. And the first way that they did that is, is that they followed and they learned from Jesus. They followed and they learned from Jesus. Jesus was, um, Peter was Jesus' number one disciple. He followed him, he learned from him, and Peter made a lot of mistakes along the way. But he learned from those mistakes. And I think sometimes, sometimes when we look at Jesus, we think that we have to be perfect before we can come to him, before we can learn from him, before we can follow him. But Peter made many, many mistakes. And the women followed Jesus too. They followed him all the way from Galilee. They were there with Jesus almost from the beginning. They supported Jesus financially. They, they, they helped the disciples in their work. In the end, and in the end, they wouldn't even leave Jesus' side, even following Joseph and Nicodemus to the tomb where they laid the body. Peter and the women didn't know everything. They didn't know and understand everything about Jesus, what his mission was. They didn't, they didn't have it all figured out. But they saw something in Jesus and they investigated and they learned about him and they learned from him. And friends, it's true that the world looks at Jesus and they see something. The world does look at Jesus, even though they're in unbelief, even though they don't believe the Bible as truth, they see Jesus and they recognize there's something special about him. There's something different about Jesus than about others. But we need to seek him out. We need to follow him. We need to learn from him in order to be prepared to have faith. And the next thing that I think that the women and Peter do is when, when things changed, they regrouped. When things changed, they regrouped and they regained their bearings with others around them. They didn't just quit or give up. I think so often in our lives when things change, we simply quit or give up and we go on to something else. But the women, they went home and they prepared spices and perfumes for Jesus' body. They didn't understand or know what was next, but they went and they regrouped together and they did what they, they knew to do. And they obediently observed God's law, and they rested and they waited. They obediently observed God's law, and they rested and they waited. I think sometimes when things change in our lives, we need to, regrouping means simply resting and waiting. And asking the Holy Spirit to speak and redirect our lives. How many of you in this COVID season have been resting and waiting? And asking the Holy Spirit to redirect and to teach you what is next for your lives. The women rested and waited obediently for God. And Peter. Peter, after his big fail the night before, after his big fail of denying Jesus three times, Peter went out and did what? He went out and he wept bitterly. 
But I think in his weeping, in his bitter weeping, I believe that, that Peter also confessed his sin to God. That he confessed what was going on. He confessed his denial. He confessed his sin. And friends, one of the things that we need to do is confess our sin just like we did on Thursday night. And we confess our sin. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin because of Jesus. And then I believe that Peter faced his fears. He didn't just run away. He didn't quit. He faced his fears and he witnessed from a distance the crucifixion. Luke says all those who knew him stood at a distance, and I believe that included Peter. And then Peter did something else. Just like the women, he engaged in community. Peter engaged in community. He didn't isolate himself. He got with the other disciples. He gathered together, and they prayed, and they probably discussed what's next, what's going to happen. He didn't stay by himself. He didn't stay in his mourning. He, he broke out and he gathered with other believers. And so when situations change, when life changes, when curveballs come, we need to regroup and regain our bearings and seek God in our waiting. Next, they acted. Peter and the women acted. Each of them acted in their own ways. They investigated and they explored. They didn't just stay stuck. They weren't paralyzed by their fear. They weren't paralyzed by their situation. And explorers and investigators continue the journey even after a setback. And they had had a setback. But they continued their journey. They continued seeking. What do the women do after they waited, after they rested? They didn't wait until noon on Sunday morning. Just like many of you women here, they got up early. Before the dawn. They got up early and they gathered their spices and the things that they had prepared. And they went to the tomb. They acted and they investigated what was going on. And they maybe talked along the way, what's going to happen with the stone? But when they got there, the stone was rolled away. They didn't wait. They didn't dawdle. They did something. They acted. They didn't wait for someone else to do something. They did something, and they got up and moved to the grave and investigated. And Peter, when he hears the women's report, even though everyone around him, uh, the other disciples that were there, the other apostles, doubted, it says they thought it was all nonsense, Peter acts. He doesn't worry about everyone else, what they're thinking or what they're saying. Peter acts and he gets up and he runs to the, to the tomb and he investigates what he had heard. He runs down and he looks. And even though he didn't always know what he would find, he didn't know what he would find. And even though, even though those around him didn't believe, he still investigated. He pressed on, he acted, and he moved forward. And finally, all of them, the women and, the, and Peter, they processed the evidence that they found. They processed in their heart the evidence that they found. The women and Peter both, they saw the stone had been roll, rolled away and, and the guards had been posted. So how did that stone move? How did the stone get removed? And they both saw in the tomb that the body was not there. It was gone. 
There was evidence that something had happened. They weren't sure what, but the body was no longer there. And the women, as they came into the tomb, they reported to the disciples that there were two men there gleaming in gleaming robes that appeared before them. And they said, why do you look for the living among the dead? The testimony was there. The, the spirit was at work. The supernatural was taking place. And they had a testimony that Christ was alive. And they were told that he is alive. And then they remembered. They thought about all the things they had heard. And the, the angel, the, the men that were there said, remember what he told you. And they thought about it and they remembered that at least three times Jesus had told them about his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. They remembered what Jesus had said. They remembered his prophetic words. And they ran off to tell the disciples. And as Peter came back, they all three of them saw the linen burial clothes lying in the place of Jesus' body. And they processed that evidence and they, about what they had heard and what they remembered. And they saw those linens there. And they must have thought to themselves, if somebody took the, bo the body, why would they take off the burial clothes? Why would they leave them here? What has actually happened? And if we want to know the truth of the gospel, we too ought to investigate and, and look and process the evidence that we see, that we know, that we've heard. There are many stories of former atheists. Atheists who, when they actually did true investigation, when they actually looked into the word, when they actually sought out what Jesus said and what he did, and, and those in the testimony and the scriptures and the, the writings about him, changed from being atheists to being believers. There are many stories, you may know some of them. The story of C.S. Lewis and how he was a professor at Oxford and, and Cambridge in England and how he came over a 15-year period of time to investigate and seek out and understand who Christ was. And he became a believer and one of the most powerful apologists in our Christian faith. Lee Strobel, a more modern apologist. Do you know that name? He wrote the book, The Case for Christ and Others. Lee was a, an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And when his wife received... Um, Christ and became a believer, he started to investigate. And he says in his, in his own autobiography, he says, more so to, to relieve her of her faith because he thought it was foolish. Like the disciples and the apostles, it seemed like nonsense to him. But as he investigated, he was more and more convinced, and the Holy Spirit went to work on his heart and transformed him. He became a believer and another powerful modern-day apologist. Another one that's kind of goofy a little bit is Kurt Cameron. Younger guy and he played on an, an, uh, a sitcom and was, that, was a, an atheist in his teenage years and came to know Christ because his girlfriend brought him to church. And he heard the gospel for the first time. And the Holy Spirit started to work on him. And he pulled his car over one day and received Jesus Christ in his car on the side of the road. Here's a famous one, William Murray III. You know that name? His mother, Madeline Murray O'Hare, who filed the lawsuit against compulsive Bible reading in, uh, in school. Her son, born and raised in an atheist home, 
became a believer in Jesus Christ through investigation and through the power of the Spirit at work. And I have one more. A friend of mine, Roger Price. For, for, he, he's done lots of different jobs. For a time, he was working in the RCA. And um, he, he came to South London when I was there and taught a, taught a class called um, Adam and Eve with the word Adam spelled out like an Adam of, of element. And he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. But when he started to study physics, he, he says he didn't believe in God because it seemed like nonsense to him. It seemed impossible the things and the miracles that were in the Bible. With faith, you can move a mountain from here to there. Jesus walked right through the crowd and disappeared. But then he started studying physics. And he said as he studied physics, he learned that the fact, factual science of physics is more bizarre than the things in the word. He said he learned that this is 90% air. And if you can control the molecules, molecules, you can slip right through. And he learned by investigation and study that the things of the word are not so bizarre after all because hard-studied science is stranger than the words of Christ and the things of Christ. When we investigate, when we dig in, when we ask the Holy Spirit, when we follow Jesus Christ and we look for answers, Jesus will deliver them, will give them to us. And so are you prepared for the journey? Are you following, have you taken time to learn about Jesus and from Jesus? How can you judge the truth of his life and death if you don't know him? If you don't know his story? If you don't know God's story? We need to prepare for the journey by learning from Jesus. And when things change, will you give up or regroup? Most people lose faith because something significantly happens in their lives that changes the trajectory of where they're going. Sometimes it's a death. Sometimes it's an illness, a divorce. Maybe it's even success or college or a career or marriage. A significant change can change the trajectory, and sometimes when that change, we give up on faith. Will you give up or will you regroup? And when you have a setback of faith, Will you continue the journey or do nothing? I think oftentimes doing nothing is just as damaging as one, to one's long-term faith as quitting. And so we need to continue the journey. We need to take action. We need to investigate more, not less. We need to seek Jesus. And finally, take the evidence that you have discovered and process it honestly. And wonder with hope. Wonder with hope. That last line that we read this morning in the scripture, verse 12, second half, says Peter went away wondering to himself what had happened. At first glance, when we first see that, when I first read that, it seems like a sentiment of doubt to me. 
It seems like Peter looked around and, and thought to himself, what's happened, and doubted what was going on. But I think Luke is conveying a hopeful wondering, a hopeful wondering, an expectant wondering. Because the, the Greek word, geganos, that's translated here, what happened, what had happened. That Greek word translated what had happened is used in this form only by Luke. And Luke uses this form of the word four more times in his gospel and two more times in his, his historical record of Acts. And what's interesting about this word, what happened, what had happened, is that it's always connected, it's always linked in Luke's words with a miraculous action of God. That's how you, Luke always uses it. He always used investigation of what happened linked to a miraculous action of God. And so in Luke 15, the shepherds go to investigate what happened in Bethlehem. In Luke 8, 34 and 35, the pig herders telling and the townspeople investigating what happened when Jesus exercised the demons from the wild man in the countryside. Luke 8, 56, Jesus resurrected a dead girl and tells the parents not to tell anyone what happened. In Luke 24, 12, Peter wonders what happened. Acts 13, 12, the proconsul of uh, Cyprus believed when he saw what happened. And in Acts 5, 7, the wife of Ananias didn't know what had happened when her husband had dropped dead. For defying God. Peter has investigated the evidence, and he wonders, not with doubt, but he wonders with hope what a great and miraculous act of God has occurred. Peter wonders with hope what has happened. And too often we let our, our sensibilities get in the way of our belief. The other disciples heard that very same evidence from the women, but they didn't act they didn't believe. They didn't explore what, what they had said like Peter does. They thought that the women's words seemed like nonsense, seemed nonsensical. It seemed unbelievable because their sensibilities got in the way of belief. They trusted their sensibilities instead of the testimony of the women. And they should have. They should have trusted these women. These women who were followers of Jesus almost from the beginning. These women who followed him all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. These women who supported Jesus and his disciples with their, their money and their wealth. These women who, um, who were with Jesus and who would not, perform his, uh, would not leave his side. These women who, who miracles were performed on by Jesus. These women who stood and watched Jesus be buried in the tomb. These women were believable. These women were credible. These women, their, their testimony should have been believed. Do we, we're not going to be able to play that scene, are we? We are? Awesome. So the scene I want, I want you to watch this morning is a scene from the movie adaptation of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You've seen it, right? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it illustrates the point. And so let me, just, let me just lead up to it. 
Lucy, who is the youngest of the four children, and her brother, her next up brother Edmund, have discovered the secret passageway to Narnia through the wardrobe in the upstairs bedroom. And Lucy has reported to their older siblings, Peter and Susan, who are now discussing that reality, Lucy's report with the professor whose home they live in. So watch this scene. What did you say? Um, the wardrobe upstairs. Lucy thinks she's found a forest inside. She won't stop going on about it. What was it like? Like talking to a lunatic. No, 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 not her, the forest. You're not saying you believe her. You don't? Well, of course not. I mean, logically, it's impossible. What do they teach in schools these days? Edmund said they were only pretending. And he's usually the more truthful one, is he? No. This would be the first time. If she's not mad and she's not lying, then logically, you must assume she's telling the truth. You're saying that we should just believe her? She's your sister, isn't she? You're a family. You might just try acting like one. Well, I, hope, I hope you can um, understand that. So had the women that reported to the disciples, had they been known to lie in the past? Had they ever exaggerated the truth? Had they ever pulled the wool over the disciples' eyes? I doubt it. I doubt that they'd ever done any of those things. They were part of Jesus' new family of disciples. They've been with Jesus since the beginning. And the apostles should have taken their testimony seriously. They should have believed them and then taken action. Too often in our lives and in our families, the word of an unbelieving and defiant world has the heart and minds of our, our loved ones. Instead of the testimony of those that have been with and loved Jesus. So friends, I'm here this morning to say that I love Jesus Christ. I love his church and I love you and I have investigated and experienced the truth of his love and I believe with all my heart that Christ is risen. I hope you'll believe that too. Almighty God, we praise and bless you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming as a human being into our world, for being willing to suffer and die even though you lived a perfect life, even though you were innocent. That you were willing to die for our sins. And Lord God, that you defeated even death itself and you raised him from the dead, that we can have hope, that we can wonder with great hope, knowing that your word is true, knowing that the testimony of those who love you is true knowing that the Bible is true and testifies to your love for us. Lord God, let us proclaim with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind that Christ is risen. Amen. Let's stand and, and worship God with our final song. And as we do that, now's the time to um, use our, our phones to give and to prepare our offerings um, on this Easter Sunday morning. So you can give online at home or here. 
or you can give uh, through the boxes as you leave this morning. Just drop your, your check or your envelope in those boxes on your way out this morning.
Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this Easter Sunday thanking you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to save us from all of our sins and also to give hope through his resurrection that we too can spend eternity with you. We also give these tithes and offerings to you to further your kingdom in this community.